Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, to the victors go the spoils. Team Resources has shipped us some dollar bills to go get some food. I know where I'm going, and I know you know where I'm going. <laughs> you get, you're getting some noodles from that noodle place? Heck yeah, I'm getting buttered noodles from Noodles & Company. The real question is, what, what are, where does Ethan Sachs like to eat? I don't know. Here's, here's a, a little, little tale. For you, I, I went out uh, last night to order some food at uh, this, this bar that was like 10 minutes from my house. And I went in to pick it up and like no one has masks on. Oh, yeah. It's just like everybody eating inside without masks on. And I, I just didn't realize that was what people were doing. Yeah, that's definitely what people are doing. You're probably not out in the world as much as I am. <laughs> no, I am not. And then like I'm you know cooking all my meals at home. Basically, my, the only thing I do outside is go grocery shopping. Now, that's it. Like everything else is just hunkered down in my house yeah so I, I don't know i don't know where i'm gonna go i didn't honestly didn't even know we had anything on the line other than bragging rights i i did not either it was a pleasant surprise yeah well thank you to team resources for that and very much looking forward to match number three against them absolutely i told <laughs> lsb messaged me that you know whatever they wanted to buy us lunch and i was like not necessary not being down o2 tastes way better than any <laughs> meal ever possibly could <laughs> oh so so true we, we recorded our showdown video for uh cfb youtube last week like a couple days afterwards and i lost you we basically had a non-game three and you were like ah sorry about that i was like nope that that doesn't matter. I'll lose to you all day after uh, after tying up the score against Team Resources. So felt felt good still to have that uh, under our belt. Ben, I am super pumped to talk about this format with you. I have been drafting up a storm. I did a little gold to mythic run on stream this week, which is great because now I don't have to play best of one anymore because um, <laughs> I don't really care about ranking up in mythic. And I am just super pumped to discuss like the the moves and shakes that are happening in call time. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, we got a little bit of housekeeping to do before we dive into our Commons in Context episode. This is a return. We did this about a year ago, I think, uh, for Theris Beyond Death, which was also the like early set of 2020. Um, so we're going to be talking about every single common in the format and breaking it down where it goes and talk about them. Because I think, you know, as we keep alluding to, like beyond the top few, they're largely contextual. It's really about finding a home for them. I've been <laughs> sort of talking on stream this week about not using the B word as in bad. It's just not about that like most cards have a home and it's about finding them so that's what we're going to talk about today but before we do that like i said a little housekeeping first things first the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose you get access to a number of different things depending on which tier you want to hop in at but everyone gets access to the lords of limited discord and everyone who joins via the patreon contributes to our stretch goal which we are dangerously close to ben an additional monthly episode free of charge to our patrons giving us a lot of uh, extra space to do maybe some interviews, talk cube, talk some more general limited strategy type stuff, dive deeper than we want to do on the podcast each week. Like I think those monthly bonus episodes are going to be awesome. So if you're interested in contributing to that content, head on over to the Patreon page, see which tier might work for you. And then we have a doozy of a number of folks to welcome to the fold this week. We're going to shout them out on air. So I would ask you to join me in welcoming Sean, Jonathan, Alex, Drew, Angelo, Roger, Daniel, Michael, Matthew, Nathan, Dizzy Assassin, Benjamin P, Elliot, David, Luca, Shade, John K, John C, Aaron, Richard, Todd, Blake, Benjamin W, Ethan, wait, what is happening here? What do you mean? There's back to back Benjamin W and an Ethan? Yeah, yeah. We did. We had to join the Patreon, Ben, to uh, to up those uh, up those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so seriously, what do you think the odds are that literally you, these are in the order that people joined, right? Yeah, they what are. What are the odds that a Benjamin W and an Ethan joined back to back? That's got to be astronomical, right? That is astronomical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should check. I should check the Ethan's uh, last initial. See if it's see if it lines up there. All right, we got a few more people to round out here. Wu Tings. Garrett, John B, Gurgly, Simon P, Simon J, Alexander, and Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. In addition to the Patreon podcast now also brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need, magic related, Pokemon related, flesh and blood related. They've got it all over there. 
Specifically, Magic is probably what you're after if you're listening to our podcast. And they just recently, this weekend, hosted a release party for Kaldheim, which was pretty sweet. You and I were in the Discord helping with some deck suggestions. And I know you had a chance to play some matches. What was it like? Yeah, I didn't realize that I missed like playing with paper cards. I like I have that tactile thing and like shuffling cards. It was fun. I set, set up a little spell table thing, got my webcam over my my desk here and played a couple matches. Got sniped sort of by one of the people we had teched their deck earlier and then I faced off against them and lost but that was a really fun uh, best of three <laughs> match there um, and it was just nice to like chat with a couple new folks it was really enjoyable I, it's just nice that that's a thing that exists for these release events and I will look forward to CFB continuing to host those yeah it was cool I cracked my packs built my deck it was the first packs of magic that I've cracked in probably since the Theros GP that yeah. we did over in New Jersey yeah I think that's true I think it's been over basically a year since we we did that yeah it's crazy yeah cfb also has box breaks going on so if you want to buy into part of a box for call time or other sets you know they've got older things going on they've got legends boosters getting cracked that you can buy a card from um you can get it on that action and i know i had one that went off last night and i still have not checked to watch my video to see what i got open and i know you were in one as well yeah i was i'm, I'm waiting to i think i want to watch it like on stream or something but they send you a little section of the vod of where your box break happened so you can like follow along so you'll probably get that email today or tomorrow yeah it said i was going to get it today so i'm hoping to do that on stream today looking forward to that in addition to that, they've got CFB Pro. You and I are writing content for that each and every week. Alex is as well. So if you're not on CFB Pro, you can sign up for $4.99 a month or $9.99 and get that money back in store credit. So if you're spending any money on Magic Cards, CFB Pro is essentially free to you and you get extra great limited content from Ethan and I. If you do anything over at Channel Fireball, please use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you there, and we would really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, and one final thing. This coming week, Ben and I are going to be guesting on Scry Me a River, a fellow podcast in the CFB Podcast Network, hosted by Riley Knight and Dennis Stranjak, and I am super pumped to get to go on their show, Ben. Yeah, I have been listening since episode one. It's my favorite podcast, I think, right now. It just feels like hanging out with Riley and Dennis. It is pure and utter nonsense most of the time. But then there's like every once in a while, some serious advice sprinkled in. It's just a great podcast. I feel like you're hanging out with some friends. Yeah, I'm excited to get to maybe be on a, a bit of a, a looser podcast format. You and I try and keep it super tight here. And I'm going to I'm going to be uh, excited to try and keep up with Riley and Dennis over on Scrimey River. So if you're interested in getting any questions out there for us, shoot us a message on Twitter or uh, on our Discord or reach out on when we're streaming. Any and all that will be fine platforms if you get those questions in before Wednesday the 10th. Yep. Questions, queries, quandaries, nonsense, all appreciated. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here. We are going to be running through each and every one of the commons in Kaldheim and discussing where we think they fit. But before that, maybe we should uh, return to a roundtable, Ben. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah, let's do it. Hop on in. This is one of my drafts. You ready to take a seat? I am. So pack one, pick one. You grab Showdown of the Scalds, Standard Powerhouse, and I think probably better than every common and uncommon in Kaldheim, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would agree. This card is bonkers. Yeah, two red white for a saga. Chapter one, exile the top four cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. Chapters two and three, respectively, whenever you cast a spell this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on a target creature you control. Pretty busted. So snap that up. Pack one, pick one. And moving on to pack one, pick two. You got a bunch of reasonable options here. So there's a Highland Forest as your snow duel, the red green snow duel. Struggle for Skemfar, the green fight spell, 3G sorcery, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. And it has Fertel for a green. There's Stalwart Valkyrie, three and a white, three, two flyer, and you alternate casting cost of one and a white if you exile a creature card from your graveyard. There's Dwarven Reinforcements to try to stay red, three and a red, Fortel for one and a red, and you create two, two, one red dwarf berserker creature tokens. There's a Berg Strider, four and a blue, four, four, when ETBs tap target artifact or creature an opponent controls. If Snow Mana was spent to cast that spell, the permanent doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. And then you've got three uncommon lands here. You've got the black green land, the blue green land, and the green white land. I'm going to spare everyone from reading those cards. Yeah, those are all the, the spell lands there. The Stronghold, the Jar Mirror Lake, and Skemfar Elder Hall. Yeah, you have a lot of options here, but this is a great pack, I think, to highlight what we're about to talk about in the meat of the episode, which is that the power level is super flat here. Like if this is pack one, pick one, let's say the rare is a dud, like the rare is missing from this pack. But let's say the rare is a dud, which there aren't that many of them, but let's say it is like the birthing pod artifact. If that's in the pack, like I think I'm still taking the snow duel first. And there's a couple 
things to highlight there, right? Green and blue snow duels are like a cut above the rest, right? It's like Shimmerdrift Vale is the best snow land, period, I think, um, at least to take early. Um, then it's uh, green and blue snow duels. And then it's like snow lands that basically aren't white because white doesn't care about snow. Um, and so Highland Forest here is just a good card, period, to see. And I don't really want to take, you know, I think a lot of people might go like, well, I'll take... Craven Hulk or Dwarven Reinforcements or I'll take Bergstrider or, you know, Stalwart Valkyrie is a good aggressive flyer or Struggle is a good removal spell or whatever. But like the Snow Duel just gives you so many more options, whereas all of those other cards are sort of pigeonholing you a little bit for not a lot of value. You know, I talk a lot about when I review draft logs about what is the reason to get into a color like this, taking this card as the first card of a color. And none of these cards excite me as being the first card of a color I'm drafting. Well, and, you know, Showdown the Skulls is great. And you could yes. make a case for Stalwart Valkyrie, Dwarven Reinforcements to try to stay on track with red or white. But the truth of the matter is there's such good fixing in the format that I'm 100% to play Showdown of the Skulls. I'm either going to be red, white, or I'm going to be some green snow deck that can play Showdown of the Skulls. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so Highland Forest being the land in the pack is sort of like the perfect land for you in a way. Like it would be that or whatever the Alpine one is, the green, white one. Like a base green snow land that can splash either half of Showdown is so good for you here. Right. And it's investing in the future of your draft. And actually is a good card too. I think that's something that other people don't necessarily always understand about the Snowlands. They're thinking, ugh, I have to take a land. And I'm thinking, oh, I get to take a Snowland here. It's going to be very good for me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Just trying to shift your mindset that way about Snowlands. And there's also this other thing, I talk about this a lot on stream this week too, is that taking the Snowland second sends a signal. And, And even more so when you take a Snowland first, if you've ever done that, you just immediately tell the person to your left, I'm crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like they like, right like they look at the pack and they go oh my god the snowland's missing they what are they going to do they can't do snow stuff like they just know that you're out of your mind and you're taking snow super highly and that is powerful to be able to send that signal in draft you just like don't ever really get to do that you know on scrimy river they talk about power moves that's a power move right that's there a in power draft move right there yeah taking Wind, the snowland first windmill slam a common <laughs> all right moving on to pack one pick three with the showdown and the highland forest in the pile there's arctic tree line that's the green white snow duel Ooh. so also looking pretty spicy with the showdown and then no commons really in contention that are standing out uncommons there's trickster god heist that's the blue black uncommon duel where you can exchange two creatures chapter one exchange non-creatures chapter two that share a type and chapter three target player loses three life and you gain three life can i can i shout out this saga here real quick because i think I like this card more than anybody else does. And this card takes a lot of setup. Like you need stuff to donate. I see people like play this index where they don't have anything they're willing to give up. But if you have, I think the best two things in blue and black respectively are Carfell Harbinger, which like can help ramp you out early. And then once it's done its job, you can give them a one three or perfect is Elderfang Disciple, the one one that makes them discard and then you can gift that away. If you get stuff like that, this card is really good. Yeah, certainly you have to do some setup costs, but yeah. if you have those other cards in your deck and you draft appropriately, Trickster God's Heist can be powerful for sure. And there are great bombs running around in the format to steal. Yeah, can you steal it and then you can like rebuy it with Master Scald, whatever. There's not the, the common in the pack that I'm looking at here also pairs nicely with it. Elder Leaf Mentor that pops out a 1-1 elf and that's a good thing to gift as well. Yeah, it definitely goes along with the blue-black uncommon saga. That's where That shows where you've been drafting. Sultai <laughs> oh, Snow, me? baby. Who, me? No, never. <laughs> so rest of the uncommons, Blizzard Brawl is here. It's green for a snow sorcery. Target creature you control fights target creature creature you don't control if you control three or more snow permanents the creature you control gets plus one plus oh and indestructible until end of turn and last uncommon and the best uncommon avalanche caller one in a blue one three and you can pay two have target snow land you control become a four four elemental creature with hexproof and haste until end of turn yeah there are not many snow payoffs that would make me take them over arctic tree line out of this pack after the start but avalanche caller is one of them Yep, it's one of the best snow payoffs, one of the best reasons to be snow. And you snap it up here, and I think you're still hoping to put Showdown of the Scalds in your deck, but and you're also thrilled about taking Highland Forest here, right? Yes. Taking Avalanche Caller third after cutting a snow land and sending that signal is much better than having, you know, whatever, Dwarven reinforcements and then feeling awkward about taking Avalanche Caller here. Yes, I agree completely. All right, that gives you a little taste of how we're approaching Kaldheim. This ended up with a pack one, pick four, glimpse the cosmos into a Berg Strider, into some snowlands, and I ended up playing actually five color snow here that could actually splash 
showdown of the scalds for red and white was pretty sweet yeah i'm looking at the the final deck pick here courtesy of 17lands.com it's nice that all that stuff is in one browser here uh but yeah your base blue and then you've got showdown of the scalds double binding the old gods that's pretty sweet and then a lot of good fixing here replicating ring replicating ring i think is drastically underrated right now it's really good it's like basically better than Glittering Frost, and Glittering Frost is very good. Yeah, I think I'm a little cooled down on those cards, mostly because I've been trying to draft two-color decks to get some other info for the podcast. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in leaning towards multicolored snow, those cards are invaluable. Yeah, agree completely. Well, that's nice. All right, so let's let's dive in here for a little bit of a format rundown, like just a check-in here before we get, get into the comments. What's What's been going on for you in Kaldheim this week? Uh, I have been losing a lot of drafts in call time this week, but I feel like I'm getting some good information and I feel like I'm seeing what's good, you know, from my opponent's side of the battlefield. And I've gotten, you know, some good decks of my own that have just not performed in best of one, which is going to happen sometimes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I've sort of come pretty strongly to the conclusion that blue red is the best deck at this point. I think blue and red both have the best uncommon sort of from an intrinsic power level. And as far as working together cohesively in a two color deck, and I think it can play a lot of different ways. I think it can be blue red tempo. You know, if you've got the Berg Strider game plan, you've got some good threats. I think you can be controlling if you've got the behold the multiverses, the good removal. There's just a lot of different things the deck can do, and a lot of it is a common and uncommon. You definitely want Agar, and you definitely want Mistwalkers, and I think you're hoping to get some squashes late. But when all that stuff comes together, your deck feels like a machine. Yeah, and I think I, I agree 100%. I saw you write this in the show notes, and I, I concur. I will back up that I agree that blue red is the best deck. I haven't played it very much uh, i haven't played against it very much I, but i do think that it's a really strong deck and it exists that common and i think it does the thing that a lot of your decks want to do in this format which is has a lot of pockets of synergy or overlapping synergy right it, it can do the snow thing it can do the giant thing it can do a changeling thing and there's a lot of stuff wrapped up in blue red that complements the other things very nicely Right. And the other thing I was thinking about with both blue and red, they're the colors that feel like they get to do snow, but also do things outside of snow well in addition to that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel that way about green or black or white quite so much that they get to do it all. It feels like they've got more areas of snow or non-snow that they specialize in. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Speaking of snow, it still feels a little bit underdrafted to me. What are your thoughts on that? What have you been feeling in the queues? I would say still feels a lot underdrafted, honestly. Like, I, I it really, you got to have people taking snow lands higher, and maybe it just is never going to happen. Maybe, the, the at least on Arena, you know, I think on MTGO it's a different thing, but you and I aren't playing on there right now. Um, but on Arena, I just think they're not being taken as high as they should be. Yep, I agree. Green Black Elves, I've played a little bit with, and it sounds like you have as well. It's super real if you get the rare payoffs. So Skemfar Shadow Sage, that's the uncommon that drains or gains life equal to the number of creatures that share a type that you control. That plus Elvish Warmaster, which is the rare one green 2-2, has the activated ability of seven mana to give your elves plus two plus two and death touch until end of turn. And whenever another elf enters the battlefield for the first time each turn, you get a 1-1 elf token. That spews a wide board of elves pretty quickly, and then you can just dome your opponent with Skimfar Shadow Sage. Had a pretty sweet deck that had those two cards in it together. Yeah, I haven't had the pleasure of playing it myself, but I've faced a number of good green-black decks and they play out pretty aggressively when they work well i think death knell berserker at common is is pretty key there i also think uh skimfar shadow sage plus return upon the tides sort of feels like reanimating gray merchant sometimes like you get that back you get two elves along with it and then you like dome your opponent for five been impressed by that i do think black green is real if you start off with one of those like rare payoffs yeah it's been very fun to play talk to me about the gold vein pick hotness i have seen <laughs> the Desi tweets and i have lost to some gold vein picks what have your experiences been with the card so i did have the chance to draft i pack one pick one the other day a runeforge champion so that's the uh, rare white two three for three mana when it enters the battlefield you search your library or graveyard for a rune and put it into your hand and then your runes only cost a single colorless mana to cast so i pack one pick one that and then and pack one pick two a gold vein pick and i was like i've seen the death sea tweets i want to try this deck and it's real it's a very good deck i don't think gold vein i'm not on gold vein pick by itself i think there's a lot of talk about like it's watching death sea stream i think the man is just a take master but he was like gold vein pick is the best common in the set like i think that's a little bit extreme for my money but i think it has a place in that multicolor rune deck or it's not really a multicolor rune deck but you're playing any runes that you get because that creates the treasure and it's a 
place to put the runes and putting the runes on equipment is very real i also think the crown is key so i think if you see the runeforge champion early if you've seen the uh, rune crown the uncommon equipment early that's a a reason to go into the rune deck in my mind because i think a lot of it other than snapping up the runes a lot of it exists at common in terms of you know you get your wing equipment or you get the pick or whatever and you just like get a nice curve of creatures and i think that's a really good deck yeah the runes were a question mark for me last week i have been very impressed with the runes playing this week i've had a chance to play with some of them and they've been very good for my opponents Mm -hmm. i will say we should say what goldbane pick does this is two mana equipment that has equip one and gives the equipped creature plus one plus one and when the Equipped creature deals combat damage to a player. You make a treasure token. It feels like there's a couple things that it does. One, if you get it on an evasive creature, it snowballs pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And it it gives your opponent a real mana advantage. Also, I've seen decks that use the gold vein pick to splash the uncommon lands. Like that you can Mm. just go nuts with the activations of the uncommon lands if you're picking pick aggressively and putting it on evasive creatures. That's been pretty impressive for my opponents. And I do think, you know, for whatever, you know, how much of a meme it is, pack one, pick one, pick one has a pretty nice ring to it. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Uh, that, <laughs> I can't imagine taking pick over a snow land in my life, but that uh, I, re- I respect the meme for sure. Another deck that I've been impressed by and I've had a chance to play is blue green changelings. And now again, this, these are, these are sort of like these subset decks, like, like whatever, whatever rune deck it is, if it's base red, white, the, this blue green changelings deck, it, it exists at rare. The reason to get into it is for cards like reflections of lit Jara, which is the five man enchantment. You name a creature type and then whenever you cast a creature of that type, you get a copy of that creature. Um, Bears of Litjara, the rare blue-green saga that can turn all of your changelings into 4-4s on Chapter 2. Like Going like Mistwalker, Mistwalker into Bears of Litjara is insanely powerful. Um, I had the World Tree, which lets you search up uh, god cards if you have, you know, like the, the double Wooberg activation for it. Um, I've done that. I've like pulled four changelings out of my deck. So changelings is a real deck, and I think once you get... Uh, a rare payoff there's once you get a rare payoff it exists at common enough that you can get that deck to come together yeah i also had a great experience with a blue green changeling deck i had sort of a hybrid elves giants deck it was pretty sweet so i had another elvish Warmaster. that's that rare i also had a couple glimpse the cosmos and then i had bears of litjara it was just a really sweet deck and then had the Mistwalkers and the other things to support it nice Equipment has been impressive to me, just as far as in the format in general, much more so than I would have thought going into the format. Just the uncommon cycle of equipment, ruined crown being great, you know, the pickaxe being good. I think the plus one plus oh flying equipment is good. Have you had that same experience? Yeah, I have for sure. It makes Broken Wings feel much more main deckable to me as well. But I also think that's largely the equipment being good is largely due to the format being grindy and so you have time to like move your dwarven hammer around for three mana you know and that feels not like a tempo negative thing to do whereas i think we all sort of saw these high equip costs or high re-equip costs and we're wary of stuff and it just you you have the mana for it a lot of the time yes there's so many ways to generate mana as well yeah you know since seeing the truth from mr plow himself andrew beckstrom in the lords versus resources showdown i have gotten a chance to do ox plow and I can say it's it's pretty real. I don't think it's a deck that comes together very often because you ideally have multiple plows. But, you know, that ox plow and then you get a the, the a raiders carve in there as well. Like when you attack someone with plow on turn three and then have like, you know, four mana available, because ideally you go plow on two, land drop on three, ox on three, and then you have four mana to do stuff with. It's pretty explosive. That sounds very explosive. That has not happened to me yet. And I've not done it yet i'm looking forward to doing it and i am not (laughs) at all looking forward to it happening to me yeah i basically like the way i got into it was like it was a draft with very little direction and then i saw i knew that there was an ox in my first pack and i saw a plow like pick six and i was like this is a thing to do this is a direction for a deck and i didn't have one and i think that's sort of it, it has to be like a perfect storm of you don't have a direction and you see the plow early, but that, that can happen. So look out for it if you're drafting a lot. Yeah. And just in general, as far as like the format, you know, we've talked about some decks here. Are you still navigating drafts with the approach of, you know, if there's nothing exciting in the pack, you're going to take snow lands and try to draft multicolored snow? 
Yeah, um, I have been open to aggro a little bit more. Like my last four-ish drafts were just like two color decks. Started off with like a Fearless Liberator, the 2-1 with Boast, and it makes a a 2-1 for three mana. Like when I start off with something like that, like I I feel less bad about it. And I'm also then more inclined to just be like, maybe I can just draft a streamlined deck that takes advantage of this powerful uncommon rather than just like abandon it for some snow stuff. So I think that's partially just like trying out other things. But I still feel like for my money, right, if I sat down and you were like, what deck do you want to draft? Like, I want to draft a good snow deck. I think that's the most powerful deck in the format still. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I have been impressed with two color decks when they've been very streamlined, you know, when blue red giants comes together or green black elves, you know, the decks we've talked about when it's obvious that that two color pair is open at your table. I think those decks also really shine. And I've been trying to get into those a little bit more myself. Yeah, people are asking me like, what do you think of the best decks in the format? And I like to answer five color snow, four color snow and three color snow. (laughs) So if you have the choice between snow and giants, are you on snow? Yeah, I am. I think I would rather play Giants myself. Yeah, they're both very powerful. I mean, like, you know, Giants maybe comes together more often, like has less of a chance of train wrecking. But like if you're saying you get to draft a good deck of this type, then I would say Snow. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, let's let's dive in here. Let's look at uh, all of these commons in Kaldheim, and we're going to be looking at them under the lens of five different categories here. Um, so the, the first one will be good in every deck, and that essentially will always line up with what we think are the top commons, but then also might have a little bit of a surprise in there. But they're mostly just going to be like the best common, something that you would you know load up on, have no problem having as many copies of in any deck of that color. Next is top tier, which are cards that are almost always included in your deck, but some slight considerations during the draft or deck building to really make them work in your deck. Uh, Next, we'll be looking at most contextual. These are the cards that vary the most based on how the draft and how you're going to build your deck at the end of that draft. And then lastly, filler, uh, which is just anything that's replaceable or below replacement level, essentially. And then we'll look at, you know, some are actual unplayable cards or sideboard material if you're playing best of three. I think really important to note that common wise, pretty much the good in every deck should pull you into a color and past that you really want to let rares and uncommons dictate which of the most contextual commons you want to pick right like thinking about when this is the first card of that color you're taking like why are you moving into that color and it really shouldn't be for anything other than those good in every deck cards at common or higher rarity like ben said and that kind of shows where you should take the snowlands then so we're essentially recommending that you take snowlands over everything except the good in every deck cards and maybe even sometimes over those depending on you know what sort of snow payoffs you have right and i think that that might be the case for our first card here up in white the only card we have under the good in every deck umbrella is bound in gold yeah i think pacifism ended up as the top white common reluctantly and i think this has been impressive yeah for sure i mean again like the fact that it can hit any permanent shuts off reequip stuff shuts off vehicles can shut off spell lands but most of your mostly you're popping it on a creature um and i i think that uh that it's quite good but i'm probably still taking those blue and green snow duels over this i agree i dislike white enough that i would not want bound and gold to be the card that's pushing me into white yeah so i think here here on lords limited we are still on white as the weakest of the five colors yes that is true for me all right what's going on in top tier all right, so in top tier, we've got Doomscar Oracle up first, two and a white for the 3-2 with Fertel of a white. And whenever you cast your second spell each turn, you gain two life. I know you've had a lot of good experiences with the card. Can you talk to me about it? Yeah, I mean, it's still like just what I pegged it doing with that single white Fortel ability, like it's slotting in on curve for you, Fortel this on two, and then on turn three, you can use all your mana to either Fortel something else. So it's good in blue-white Fortel, obviously. These three two bodies in the format in general just like play offense and defense really well. A three two body blocks well, but also a three two attacks pretty well like that's that's a fine stat for a creature for three mana or one mana on turn three as this can be um gaining you life if you're ending up in a race situation it just is like good like this could really go in good in every deck but i'm sure there are going to be times where you're base white and you feel like eh, i don't really want to be foretelling on two like i'd rather be super aggressive and affecting the board i could see it not slotting into some of the most aggressive decks or some some sort of uh streamlined game plan decks where this doesn't fit but like good in double spell good with foretell etc all right makes sense uh iron verdict doesn't quite get into good in every deck for me just because i think the most aggressive decks don't want 
a deal five to a tapped creature effect. Um, but this is really, really strong. This is still in the in the top few white commons for me. Next, we've got Master Skull. It's four and a white, four, four. When ETBs, if you exile a creature from your graveyard, you can rebuy an artifact or an enchantment. This is absurd if you've got the good sagas going on and you should go out of your way to pick it up. And it's almost at its best as a splash in snow decks that have the good sagas like Binding of the Old Gods. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you have the black-white saga, you can sort of loop that with this. Um, what's the other one? Carter's Vicious Return. Chapter 3 also returns a creature. So that's really good with Master Scald. You can do a little loop-to-loop stuff there. And lastly, we've got Stalwart Valkyrie. This is 3 and a white, 3-2 flyer, and you can pay 1 and a white, exile a creature from your graveyard to cast it for 2. It doesn't really cost 2 mana, though. I mean, it sort of does starting on turns 4 and 5, but you need to think of this as a double spell card not as a two mana play i i honestly feel like this might belong in most contextual like this doesn't feel like it's in the same tier as oracle verdict and master scald to me well you have to be aggressive to maximize it right you're yeah. only playing this in decks that want to force the opponent to trade off creatures right and so i think that that is most contextual because we're going to look at you know the first up here we've got battlefield raptor now so what are the things that i'm thinking about if i want to put a one mana one two in my deck you know i want to be aggressive i want to care about double spell i want to care about auras or equipment like ways to suit this up do i have am i white green and i have the two drop changeling that can put a counter on this like there are a lot of things that you need to make battlefield raptor a good card in your deck yes and i think it does play very well with goldbane pick speaking of earlier mm-hmm. you know turning yeah, this yeah. into a two three flyer that gives you a mana every turn mm-hmm. turns that into a real card yeah, yeah i played two of the battlefield raptors in that rune deck i talked about earlier and i don't think i actually needed them in that deck but i see their place w- with the goldbane pick for sure Code Spell Cleric is up next. That's the white 1-1 that goes in double spell. If you cast it as your second spell, um, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on it or something else, and it's got Vigilance as well. So I think the best home for this is black-white. Maybe you'll play it in red-white aggro decks too, but you definitely want to be aggressive with a super low curve. Mm-hmm. I think also interested about going tall a little bit. Like if you are trying to like suit up a Raptor, this is again another good like one-two punch with the Raptor. Um, got giant ox on here. I think this goes with the plow. It goes with whatever that vehicle deck we talked about, get a couple plows, get a Raiders carve. And then I, I do think there I faced it. I've played it. I do think it has a home, but like, that's the only home. I think gold mall champions up next. That's the two, three boaster that can tap down a creature. And I think that's cards fine plays very well in an aggro deck, but you want to make sure you're aggressive before you're happy about playing the card. And I also think you want to consider your curve. I found a lot of decks can get clogged at the three mana spot, you know, especially if you think about Doomscar Oracle being in the top tier here and competing at three CMC with the champion. But I've seen it do work. I've, I've played with it and it's done work and I think it has a home for sure. Um, Starnheim Courser, again, do you care about being aggressive? What's your curve consideration? Here's another three CMC play for you as a 2-2 flyer? Do you care about the cost reduction? Are you playing a bunch of auras and equipment or, or artifacts in general? Like some maybe you've got a 2-3 a foretell creature and you want to make that cost two instead of foretelling it and then having it cost zero, whatever. Like uh, these are the things you want to think about when you're putting this card in your deck. I've not been very impressed with the Courser. Could almost see that going in filler, to be honest. Like Battlefield Raptor is just much better if you want that type of evasive threat, right? I agree, but I do think the general like three mana two two flyer is like whatever doesn't quite apply in this format. Okay. All right. Valor of the Worthies up next. This is white for an aura and equipped creature gets plus one plus one. And when if it would leave the battlefield, uh, you get a one one spirit creature token with flying. I saw a tweet from Ari Lax that said, according to 17 lands data, that if you put this in your deck, it's the fifth best common like to include in your deck according to win rate for white decks but if you draw it it's like the 12th best so you want to build your white decks like they want valor of the worthy but to then not include valor of the worthy (laughs) yeah i also think this is good for double spelling but i guess i don't want to draw it according to that data (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, speaking of double spelling with these uh single mana plays wings of the cosmos this is the the plus one plus three flying trick for one mana again are you aggressive do you want to double spell this backs up some boasters quite nicely because it can protect your boasters for one mana while still being able to activate their abilities that's nice too and warhorn blast is last that's the plus two plus one anthem at instant speed with foretell 
I think, again, you really want to be aggressive. Ideally, you want to be going wide, probably in green-white, maybe in white-red with some dwarven reinforcements, that type of thing. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking to get in that last push with some evasive stuff that you've got, you know, battlefield raptors laying over, can definitely do some work. There's a really nice thing that red-white specifically gets to do in this format, which is take advantage of a number of tricks that are all differently difficult to play around. Like your opponent makes an attack and you have to think about run amok. You have to think about Warhorn blast. You have to think about wings of the cosmos and your blocks are going to be different based on what you think they have or how you want to play is going to be different based on what you think they have. Or maybe one thing is something you can't play around, whatever, but like that sort of suite of tricks, I think all makes them slightly better because they all exist. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then we'll just round things out here with filler. So sort of interesting. I was listening to this week's episode of limited resources and LSV is pretty high on Axe Guard, Braggart and God's Hall Guardian. And I think you and I have both moved those down a little bit. Like those feel fine to me, but not exciting. I have been a little scared of opponents, Axbane Braggarts at times. Not that it makes me want to pick it highly or anything, but just that it is a relevant threat that can snowball. God's Hall Guardian, I have not been particularly impressed with yeah and then we have the two two drops here in white which are both good besker shield mate the two on the dies into a one one and story seeker the two two with lifelink but like you know there's largely interchangeable and just like curve filler consideration stuff right but i think if you're playing white you need to make sure you have a good card and yes. your white decks are likely to include you know, some number of best gear shield mates and story seekers. Yes, I agree. Lastly, the unplayable sideboards, we've got Invoke the Divine. I think if you're playing best of three, you would want to pick those up if you're white because there are a lot of good artifacts and enchantments running around. Mm-hmm. And then Revitalize just does not have a home. Why is that in the format? I mean, I think it's I think it's like bait for double spell stuff, Like, but it's just filler. Like, do not play this card. It's worse than filler, honestly. Yep. All right, blue. Good in every deck. Behold the multiverse. Though I will say, Ben, I believe Pac-Mate has unseated Behold as the best common in the set for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm def- I'm I'm on I'm on the the wolf train there. But behold the multiverse and Mistwalker, good in every blue deck. Yeah, both those cards are insane. Top tier, I think Berg Strider is my number three blue common now. That's the four and a blue four four that taps something down. And if you play it with Snowmana, they don't get to untap it. Cards a house feels very Chillbringer esque. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just a complete monster in blue red giants. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got Augury Raven there, three and a blue three three flyer with Fertel one and a blue. Card's fine. You're almost always going to play it, but it's not exciting. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like it is top tier, but it's like the least exciting <laughs> top tier card you could have, I would think. Yep. All right, so moving on to the most contextual card. First up, Bind the Monster. I'm interested to see where you have this card, Ben. The the main consideration here for me is my removal suite. I, I would put this at filler, honestly. Like, I'm hoping to not run it, but I will play it if I feel like I'm in a deck that doesn't have, you know, good removal or I need a way to deal with uh, something big. Like, I don't have that squash or whatever but it's not a card that i'm very excited about i think the first copy is fine and i think if you're in blue white you know maybe you run two three copies if you've got some life gain running around but again not a super high pick next is depart the realm that's the bounce spell so if you're tempo oriented you've got some sagas that you want to bounce you know your blue white foretell and you want some more foretell spells for your vega I think it does work. I have not particularly found myself, you know, missing it at the end of the draft, but it's a playable card. Yeah, this is a card. This is the first time in a while where I felt like the blue bounce spell wasn't that great. And maybe it's just because I don't think blue. It's best when you care about it as a tempo play. And I don't feel like blue plays a tempo game very often. Yeah, it's pretty much blue red giants that wants to play a tempo game. And I've been impressed with run ashore in blue red giants as well. Speaking of. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we've got that here as well. Same questions. Tempo oriented. Do you have sagas to bounce? Do you have ETBs you want to bounce? Um, you know, getting your stuff out from under an enchantment based removal spell is nice too, while putting something on the top or bottom of their library. Well, and also I think the format feels pretty grindy, right? So yeah. you don't want the card disadvantage of depart the realm quite as much as you normally would right exactly whereas you know the games are going late and so you can't pump six mana into run ashore i agree get to stainful stroke up next how much are you operating at instant speed is basically my consideration for running the counter spells in this format because i think disdainful stroke almost always will have a target and, and it's so weird like if my green opponent foretells on two then I'm so likely to go, am I supposed to hold up Disdainful Stroke on three to counter their pack mate here? Like, that's come up for me a lot. Like, because people are playing these expensive spells that are cheaper, right? You can put all these four CMC foretell cards in your deck that Disdainful Stroke gets. It's more about, like, how much flexibility do I have passing with two mana up? 
Right, but you shouldn't be looking to run Disdainful Stroke necessarily. I think you. I think the first copy you can say that you. Yeah, be I mean, to if, run you, it. if you're instant speed, but like you're not going out of your way to pick no, it no, or no, whatever, no. you just will put it in your deck if you have a lot of instant speed stuff going. Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Carfell Harbinger is up next. That's the one and a blue one three that can tap for blue to pay for foretell or instants and sorceries. And basically, I think you want to be blue white, blue black, and that's pretty much the only homes this card has. Yeah, I would say you could have blue red versions as well that have a lot of, uh, you know, instant speed stuff or a lot of spells, a lot of beholds and demon bolts, that type of deal. That's fair. But yeah, I think I think the card's pretty good. If you've uh, if you've flashback glimpse of the cosmos with Carfell Harbinger, you know, you know, the power of this little mana dork. This this adding blue and not colorless is a big game changer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Litjara Kinseekers, that's the two four changeling that if you have three types and it comes into play as a three five and scribes one. Again, do you care about types? That's the big thing here. And I guess also curve because the four mana slot can get a little clogged. So not quite because a lot of the four mana plays are foretell stuff. I've been impressed with the old Kinseeker. You know, if you go any creature on two into Mistwalker, Kinseeker is turned on, which has been a pretty impressive curve to me. And three five blocks everything in the format. Right. And five, I mean, four is sort of the magic number, but then five is really the magic number because you get out of Demon Bolt range. That's pretty huge there too. Right, and you block your opponent's Berg Striders, that sort of thing. Yeah. Pilfering Hawk's up next. It's one and a blue for the one-two flyer, and you can loot with by tapping it and paying a snow mana. I think this is pretty important in snow decks because you generally have a lot of air in snow decks. Like oftentimes you're essentially running like 20 or 21 mana sources just mm-hmm. because you've got glittering frosts and you've got replicating rings in addition to needing to hit your land drops and that sort of thing so it can be really key to help mitigate flood in the snow decks but you should not think about this as an early play like it's not a good blocker that sort of thing it literally is filtering and it's a one of if you don't get the other good blue card draw spells like if you don't get loaded up on beholds or glimpses then you're like all right i'll play this hawk happily Raven form, again, you're thinking about your removal suite here. Do you need a catch-all removal spell? How well does your deck mitigate the 1-1 flyer that you're giving your opponent? That's what I'm thinking about. And I'm really only happy to main deck one copy of this, if any. Yes, I agree. Last, we've got Frost Peak Yeti. This is the 3 and a blue 3-3, and you can pay one and a snow to make it unblockable until end of turn. This has done a lot of work for me in the snow mirror. I've been fine including it, you know, as a last card or something in a snow deck. And I think if you're playing best of three and you're a snow deck, you actively want to look to pick this up to have it in the sideboard to bring in against other snow decks because it's a must kill threat in decks that are often like finisher light, which is pretty important. Yeah. So that brings us to the filler category. First up, we've got Brine Barrow Intruder. This is the uh, Zulaport Duelist here. One blue for a one, two flash. Creature gets minus two, minus O. You know, if you need a little bit of defensive speed, think about this as a combat trick with upside, not like a one draw. Yeah, I'm hoping to not put that card in my deck. I think generally. Dragger Thought Thief, the three, two that lets you look at the card. Again, total filler. I, yeah, I, I've been like slightly impressed with this in some blue black decks. The fact that this also gets buffed by Narfi is kind of nice because it's a zombie. Um, but I agree. I'm not, not looking to pick these up in any respect. I kind of want to move this next card down to unplayable. Mists of Litjara has been really bad. This is the one on a blue enchantment, minus three, minus O with flash. Like this card is blech. Eh, it does work against aggro. I guess. Strategic planning, again, filler, undersea invader, the four blue, blue five, six that ETBs tapped total filler yeah and the only unplayable slash sideboard card is a null i don't even think i would ever side this in no way too contextual all right what's going on with black good in every deck we've got feed the serpent two black black instant exile a creature or planeswalker and i think you know exile here feels pretty important especially against the snow decks because a lot of times again i felt decks are sometimes threat light or relying on some bombs and some ways to recur them Mm -hmm. and so feed exiling has been pretty relevant Top tier, we've got three cards here. Elderfang Disciple, Jarl of the Forsaken, and Skull Raid. You know, just slight considerations here. I honestly think like Elderfang Disciple might just be good in every black deck. I guess if you're like aggressive black, you don't want the two mana one one that much. Jarl's really good. Again, like pairs well with the Elderfang Disciples. If you've got stuff that's like incidentally dealing damage to things, like maybe two one dwarf tokens floating around and again skull raid very very good two for one like you you said this might be the second best black common last week and i'm kind of there for it 
It's really good. I mean, it's backbreaking in the control mirrors when you nab your opponent's last two cards or, you know, even in those control mirrors, they care about land drops too. So just like firing this off and getting two random cards often does something as well. And then it also mitigates the drawback of, you know, just being card advantage late in the game. Yeah. So like all of these, you know, two for one or whatever, like Yarl playing nicely with other instant speed foretell stuff, like all these cards are just really, really strong. But there are just slight considerations for deck building, I think, that make them not quite good in every deck. Yeah, and then moving on to most contextual, we've got Death Knell Berserker. So you really want to be an aggressive black deck, I think, before you're excited about Death Knell Berserker, which is probably going to be black red, black green, maybe black white. Mm -hmm. And then do you have those pickaxes? Do you have a ruined crown? Do you have ways to make this, you know, three power? This is like a plan at common, I think, for a lot of decks. I've been really impressed with Death Knell Berserker gets a counter from the green two drop changeling, put a, uh, an equipment on it that gives a plus one plus one or plus one plus oh and flying, just ways to pump it using the demonic gifts in combat to have it trade, make a two two and come back. Like there's a lot of stuff that happens with this card that I think makes it good. Yeah, I think that is Demonic Gift's best home is in tandem with Death Knell Berserker. And, you know, if you've got other creatures that have good ETBs or if you're maybe, you know, a snow deck that has some key cards that you really want to try to save, although I think Snakeskin Veil is probably a better effect for that than Demonic Gifts, but that that sort of thing. Yeah. Carfell Kennel Master is up next. I think this is a really good aggro curve topper. So again, if you're if you're black green or black red aggro or maybe black white aggro, getting a couple of these in your five drop slot is really strong. But I think, you know, as you, you will see, there are just these like five mana plays at common for every color, right? You've got the five, five in green, you've got the five, four in red. And I think it's important to like figure out what your deck wants the most when you're getting to that spot on your curve. Mm -hmm. Coma's Faithful's up next. This is two and a black for the three one with lifelink. And when it dies, each player mills three cards. I have not loved this card myself. What are your thoughts on it? I think, again, the things I'm thinking about are graveyard synergies. So am I trying to recur stuff? Do I have stuff that I'm interested in getting in my graveyard incidentally? Do I have a way down in my deck? So I want to get, you know, a creature in my graveyard that way or multiple creatures in my graveyard to fuel multiple way downs. Defensive speed, you know, there's lot, not a lot of stuff that punishes one toughness in the format. So if you want something just to block on turn three, this is really good as a three power thing with lifelink. Yeah, that's fair. I'm probably too low on that card. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not, it, it could be filler-ish, but it does, I think, do enough little things. It also has types. It's an elf. Um, so I think it does enough little things that it, it's most contextual for me. Priest of the Haunted Edge is up next. This is one or black for the 04, and you can tap, sacrifice it at sorcery speed to give target creature minus X minus X, where X equals the number of snow lands you have. This card is very good in a snow deck, but I think you really want to be base black in your snow deck before you're really excited about it, and you need to be in the 8 to 10 snow range. A lot of things have to go right before Priest is a great card for you, and I think you should be planning to pick it on the wheel. I agree with all of that. I have splashed it. I th think that because it, you just think about it as a like whatever, a suspend removal spell that can block or whatever, like, I think it's a fine splash in blue-green. But you again, you need, like I, I feel like minimum seven snowlands and that can count glittering frosts to turn stuff into snowlands but like you need that to be high this this the fail case of this like only dealing with x1s or x2s that's not what you want out of this uh speaking of way down with the comas faithful again creature count is the biggest thing for me i have found it hard in black decks to have high creature counts i think you really want to be aware of your creature count before you're putting way downs in your deck Right. And I think you also want to be aware of the number of cards that want to exile a creature from your graveyard for an effect, yeah. because those get worse the more of them that you jam in there. Like there's tension in black green with way down and masked vandal being yes. in the same deck. Right. And you would I would much rather give that creature up to the vandal than to the way down. Drag Recruiter is last here and most contextual. It's three and a black for the three three and you can boast for three and a black to return a creature from your graveyard to your hand. This has been a must kill threat yeah. sort of if it's got attacks. It's weird. You want it most in a deck that's got removal to clear the way for it or, you know, tricks to let you boast and rebuy it or win a combat step. Um, but the the three and a black on the, the recursive part has been a bit of a, a bottleneck for me. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that sort of must kill feeling has come up enough for me that I, I'm, I've got my eye on this card. I don't know quite where it's at its best. Maybe it's a key piece for like just demure value based decks as a one of. Um, but I, I do think it, it does feel like when it hits the battlefield for my opponent, I'm like, uh oh, what have I already tried to kill? And what are they about to get back? 
Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so that's going to bring us on to filler. First up is Dread Rider. You know, some of these could be contextual. I feel like the tiebreaker for me a lot of the times with these is like, do I end a draft and wish I had this? And I don't think a 3-7 for 6 is something I'm like, oh, darn, I missed out on this. But this can just sort of be your top end win condition sometimes if you don't get there with like a busted rare or something. Yep, that's been my experience as well. Grim Draggers up next. This looks like it goes in snow, but really you just don't care about it at all <laughs> has been my experience. The two and a black three, two, and it's got the snow activated ability to give it plus one plus oh and menace. Yeah, you play it in snow, but you aren't mad if you don't end up with it. Same with Infernal Pet has underperformed for me, even in like black, white double spell. I don't know, like it's it has felt a little awkward, especially if you're on the draw. I have been on the receiving end of multiples of them from an opponent <laughs> and they, they did work is what I would say. Like it got to the point where like if my opponent could double spell again, I was going to die. So I think it I think it is a black, white, gold card. And I think you're probably playing them in the deck most of the time. But I don't have a lot of data on my end casting the card. I'm, I'm super down on Raise the Draugr too. Probably best in like a black, red Berserker thing or black, green elves. Yeah, it's done work for me in black, green elves. Okay. And lastly, we've got village rights here, the black instant sack a creature to draw two cards. I have seen some sack and steal stuff with the act of treason effect in red. Okay, that seems uh, that seems a little dicey to me, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, but I think generally filler and you're hoping to not play it. Yeah, unplayable, uh, dogged pursuit. Dusk Wielder, the one mana one two, and Wither Crown. Do, do not don't play. put Wither Crown in your decks, people. Yeah, these are these are three not good cards. Yeah, so Wither Crown's the thing that what gives a what I don't even know what it does. It's just already categorized as unplayable. The in my base head. It power makes the creature's zero, power zero, yeah. and you can keep it. You have to sacrifice it unless you pay a life. Yeah, I've had people put this on my eyeside trolls. Yikes. Big yikes, folks. <laughs> okay. Looking at red, good in every deck. Demon Bolt, obviously, and Frostbite. Shock is good in this format, folks. You don't need to worry about being having a lot of Snowlands turning this into a Lightning Bolt. Shock just hits a lot of stuff. Yep, agreed. Top tier, we've got Squash. I mean, generally, you want to be Giants or have Changelings to make it work. But if you fulfill those conditions, you're very happy. And it's also just acceptable, I think, to pay five mana for the card. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, my hottest take here for Commons, Ben, is Dwarven Reinforcements is a card I'm very high on. I think two two ones for one card is like very relevant. There's a lot of three twos floating around, not a lot of ways to punish X ones. These can double block to kill an X four creature. Like I think Dwarven Reinforcements is something a lot of people are sleeping on right now. It's a good aggressive card and it's a good defensive card. I love that card. I'm with you. Next up, we've got Tuscary Firewalker. It's two in red for the three two and has boast for one. Exile the top card of your library and you can play it this turn card's very good i think you want to try to clear the way for it you want to have combat tricks but you're playing it in almost every red deck unless you're like a derpy red green snow deck this again feels like one of those must kill cards like it hits the battlefield for my opponent i'm like ah dang it what am i supposed to do about this in the next turn cycle mm -hmm. last up axe guard cavalry is one of my favorite cards i've come up on quite a bit here the two mana two two tap to give something haste until end of turn i think this is just like a rock solid two drop in basically any red deck that's interested in attacking yep agreed the the reason it's top tier and not good in every deck is like sometimes you are red green snow and then you don't really care about cavalry that much moving on to the most contextual cards craven hulk that's the three and a red four four and can't block alone i mean i think if you want to be aggressive you care about your curve and giants like this is a great card in the mm -hmm. four drop slot in a blue red giants deck yeah this could even be top tier honestly the only times i don't like it again are when i'm like a red snow defensive deck because i get nervous about a card that can't stabilize me at four mana but otherwise, just this card is huge. I really like the velocity cards in red, Immersturm Raider and Seize the Spoils. Like ways to churn through your deck, I think is quite good. Um, this just being a nice little thing to start off your curve with in an aggressive deck to mitigate flood or whatever. Um, I think both of those cards have a, a nice home in a lot of decks. And both nice in red green base snow decks too, yes. to give you filtering and be a speed bump, you know, in the case of Immersturm Raider. Run amok, sort of the truth, right? Uh, if you yeah. want to be red aggro and, you know, it feels like you have to be very aggressive before you're interested in including this. But if you are, it's one of the best ways to punish the derpy decks around. Ryan Sachs had a tweet the other day that I thought was really interesting talking about like the two different kinds of red aggressive decks or red white aggressive decks in the format and that like some want tormentor's helm and some want run amok and i do think i have deck composition as a consideration here and i think that's something to think about especially with these aggro decks like you have to have a lot of creatures and then you're playing your removal spells right you're playing your demon bolts and your frostbite and that only gives you a handful of slots for these creature augmentation spells and i think it's really important to ask yourself 
what your deck is doing in terms of do I want those augmentation spells to be equipment or do I want them to be combat tricks? And so run amok, really, really strong, I think especially in conjunction with Craven Hulk, but then you might have decks where those slots are going to be allocated elsewhere. We've got Breakneck Berserker last on the list here. It's the three mana, three, two haste. If you want to beat down, Breakneck Berserker is going to be a good card in your deck. Uh, Looking at filler here, we've got Cinderheart Giant, the seven mana, seven, six, Fearless Pup, a one drop, Hoggy Mob as your five mana, five, four, I guess gets bumped up if you've got the black rune to get mowed down with that machine gun. And Vault Robber, honestly, I feel like this could just be an unplayable territory. Vault Robber has been weird to me in the format. Not great. Yeah. And then in the unplayable sideboard category, we've got Open the Omnipass, that's the plus one plus O to your team, or, you know, Ritual Effect just doesn't really have a home. Shackles of Treachery, the Act of Treason Effect. And again, you know, Shackles has been real with more equipment floating around. I, I think I would maybe... Huh. Can, you could think about doing this in the main if you were hyper aggressive, but I think generally probably best out of the sideboard against yeah. equipment stuff. Okay. And smashing success, destroy target artifact or land, don't play it. All right. Rounding things out here with green. Good in every deck. Only one card, but it is the best card. Seraph's Packmate. It is the best boy. Yeah. All right. Moving on to top tier. We've got a lot here in green. Horizon Seeker. That's the Tuna G 3-2 with Boast for one on a green that lets you search up a land, which lets you get snow lands, which is also very powerful. You know, if you didn't quite get there on the fixing for your snow deck or the, the number of snow lands that you would have liked. Well, and the other reason that Horizon Seeker is so good is, again, like it's just good if you end up in like red green aggro or green white aggro, like these three mana three twos that can provide value like this and the firewalker they're just so good good on attacks and good on defense we got like a a bunch of snow stuff here glittering frost sculptor of winter and ice hide troll here i know a lot of people might think ice hide troll like good in every deck or something like yeah again we're talking about taking snowlands over a lot all three of these cards maybe i would take snowlands over all three of these cards in pack one i think i would take glittering frost over non-green and blue snowlands maybe yeah i think that's about where i would draw the line Mm mm-hmm but these, these snow cards are just really, really strong. And most of the time, that's what green is doing. Right. And then once you get the snow lands and you have seven or eight snow lands, then in packs two and three, either maybe you're still wheeling these cards, in which case your deck is absurd, or then you have the snow lands locked up and you can take Ice Hide Troll aggressively in pack three if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this list just keeps on coming. We got the fight spell here, struggle for Skemfar. Now, I find these fight spells to be largely interchangeable. Thinking about Struggle and then the two uncontents in Arnie Slays the Troll and Blizzard Brawl. So like, I just feel like if I'm in green, I'm going to get a fight spell at some point. And Struggle is, is good and probably better in the more aggressive deck. So you can do that sort of foretell on two, two drop fight on three curve out. Yeah, I have been impressed, I think, with Arnie Slays the Troll quite a bit recently. It's come up a little bit for me for my opponents. When it goes off and does all three chapters, it's pretty backbreaking if you were in any sort of a racing situation. It's so good as a splash in snow decks. Like that's where you, you know, you stabilize with your five, five or your six, six. Then you have you fight. And then if you can get to the chapter where you then gain five life, then you feel like you're you can't lose. Right. The game game is over at that point. So I would say that's a cut above the other two. But I do agree that Blizzard Brawl and Struggle are like totally interchangeable. Masked Vandal is a pretty sweet one. I've been singing this card's praises. This is one of green for one three changeling. And when it ETBs, if you exile a creature from your graveyard, you get to blow up an artifact or an enchantment. You know, the ability that have this be relevant in you know your snow decks or whatever your green defensive deck that you can play it against aggro and it's not an embarrassing blocker and to also be relevant in the late game to be able to blow up an artifact or an enchantment is just a a very good card i think yeah and last on this list is ravenous lindworm you know i really love this move from the colossal dreadmaw variant to the six six that gains you four variant because this just closes the door on aggro decks like this does two things at once like buffs your life total and presents a thing that they really can't deal with yep love ravenous lindworm and so like the only you know thing things to consider here why they're not good in every green deck you know sometimes you're a green white aggro or red green aggro deck and you don't want a six drop sometimes you're a green white aggro deck or a red green aggro deck and you don't want a two mana one three and masked vandal you know these are the things you want to think about moving on to most contextual we've got elderleaf mentor three and a green three two when it etbs you get a one one this is good i mean fine it's almost filler ish except it it's above filler in elf decks i think exactly yeah and and i think you know if you if you want two bodies whatever we talked about trickster god's heist or carter's vicious return that type of deal uh card that's moved up for me like i would have probably put this as filler earlier but not fold recluse like there's three mana four two with reach 
been good. If you care about your curve, uh, if you care about defensive speed, I've liked that card quite a bit. It's just good stats on a three drop as an attacker or a blocker. Right. Being able to take out their three, two flyer or their four, four Craven Hulk. I bet that feels good. Grizzled Outrider. That's the four and a green five, five, you know, five, five is large in the format. This is often the biggest boy other than Ravenous Lindworm. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you should be playing this card more than you are would be my guess. Yeah, it's like the only card that has only flavor text or something, but it really just has large in the text box, you know, (laughs) Uh, Guardian Gladewalker. Again, if you care about curve, we've already talked about dropping that counter somewhere. If that matters with you with a Raptor, do you care about types like this being a two mana giant for your squash or starting your changeling train like this has a lot of homes in the format. Yeah, the the changelings, I think anything with changeling on it has massively overperformed my expectation of changeling going into the format. I agree. King Herald's Revenge is up next. It's the two and a G. Give your creature plus one plus one at sorcery speed for each creature you control. And it also gains trample. And then a creature and opponent controls must block if able. Saw a tweet from Ryan Sachs where he called this uh, an edict variant on Searing Blaze, which is pretty high praise. I mean, you can get blown out by instant speed interaction, but when this card does the thing, it's very powerful. This is going to be the number one card that I the ratio of me dying to it versus casting it is going to be the biggest delta. Like I have lost this card a lot, but I haven't played it that much myself. But I think it's a key piece for green aggressive decks. Yes, especially in green white. You know, you and I recently had uh, a showdown video and I included a Herald's Revenge over one of the the green fight spells, the struggle for Skemfar, and it won me a game that would have otherwise been completely unwinnable uh i think a lesser combat trick but a combat trick nonetheless mammoth growth again do you want to be aggressive are you trying to go wide so like you know some unblocked one one or two two then can finally finish off your opponent for those four extra points of damage yeah it's been impressive you frequently have to think about this card when you're blocking against green decks Mm -hmm. snakeskin veil as the one green plus one plus one counter and hexproof i think you're only really excited to play this card if you've got bombs that you really want to protect and even then it feels almost more of a sideboard card to me Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's fair there's also like i've seen green white double spell stuff if you get clarion spirits and so then you're just interested in one mana tricks too um and broken wings i think again if you're if your removal suite isn't that good going into your your main deck then i think including this is gonna find a home you feel like you're soft to flyers putting this in your main deck doesn't feel that bad like i I think this is we're, we're, we're on main deck material here for broken wings sometimes i agree Moving on to the filler category, breaks my heart. We've got Oof. Mox Diamond here, uh, Jasper <laughs> Sentinel, green for a one-two reach, and you can tap it to add a mana of any color of mana to your mana pool if you tap another untapped creature. This has a home, I think, but a lot of things have to line up. You have to be elves. You have to care about elves, have a very good curve, and care about adding multicolors of mana. And I did have that once, but I don't think it comes together very frequently. Yeah, I feel bad because I like I've played a lot of multicolor green decks and I have not cast a Jasper Sentinel yet. I don't I'm not I'm not on the Mox Diamond truth. Moving on to the unplayable sideboard, we've got Roots of Wisdom and Arachniform. Neither of these cards are very good. All right. That brings us to colorless. Just a few cards to talk about here. Good in every deck. Snowlands, baby. Um, Like we sort of ranked them before, I think. Shimmer Drift Veil greater than the blue green duels, greater than the rest, and then greater than white, which sort of feels like snow wastes a little bit. Yeah. And I think, you know, that can change depending on the rare payoffs and the uncommon payoffs that you get, right? Mm -hmm. If you pack one, pick one blood on the snow, all of a sudden black shoots ahead of blue green, right? Because you really want to play your blood on the snow and have the requisite number of snow lands. So I think this is like a default in a vacuum. And then be aware that like, as you shift towards base colors, and you know, you should be two base colors in your snow decks, ideally, and try to not have them meld into a three color pile or a four color pile. Like as you start to hone in on what your base colors are, shift your pick order for which colors of snowlands you're picking appropriately. And you should always be trying to figure that out while you're drafting snow. Agree. And, and, you know, even talking about the snow planes as snow wastes isn't perhaps fair. You know, you can think about, well, I've got a path to the world tree and I've got a master scald because I have a saga and this could also get back path. And so I want to be able to fetch up a white mana and you would prefer that white mana to be a snow mana. And so then if you can get that snow planes, that's good. So, you know, there are considerations for all these cards, but just like we are really taking these snow lands, especially Vale and the blue green duels really high and basically 
ahead of everything that wasn't good in every deck category here. Right. And I, one other thing to add, I think when you're once you know what your base colors are, or even if you're guessing what your base colors are going to be, and you have those ways like Path or Horizon Seeker or Spirit of the Alder Guard, the ability to fetch up a basic that's untapped is also pretty important. So if I don't have basics of the colors, there's times later in the draft where you'll pick the basics over the duels to be able to fetch up an untapped source. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to top tier, we've got Raven's Wings. This is the two mana artifact and gives the equipped creature plus one plus O and flying for two mana. I think this is very good in any deck that wants to attack and be aggressive. For sure. It's so funny. I was building my sealed pool yesterday for the CFB event and I didn't end up with a Broken Wings in my deck and i really wish i i think broken wings is probably top tier main deck inclusion in in green sealed decks because i think everyone should be playing raven wings in their sealed <laughs> decks you know you open yeah. one should make it into your deck it's the cobbled uh, wings lords of limited tech exactly most contextual here we've got scorn effigy up first you know this is this is better than ornithopter in sheep's clothing as i called it but but not by much but you know i think it does allow you to do some good double spell stuff for free i think even as just like colorless defensive speed in some decks isn't bad like if i'm just looking for a, a blocker in my I've take taken too many snow lands and spell lands at uncommon that i need a couple more playables to round out my deck two mana two three that has to spend and cost zero is pretty good yeah next up we've got gold vein pick and we've talked a lot about this i could see it belonging in top tier like maybe we're just wrong or maybe we're a little bit behind and we haven't seen what Dusty's seen mm -hmm. but for right now we're going to leave it in most contextual and raiders carve we've talked about having a home in the ox plow deck and i think that's really its only home for my money yes i agree and lastly in the filler category smuggler's copter <laughs> is not back baby no it, funeral it, longboat two mana for the three three with crew one yeah no i i'm i'm never looking to put this in any deck could you say that somebody said that on our preview episode is it, you want to do this well what, what, <laughs> what cards what cards that you have evaluated incorrectly you want to talk about packmate not being in your top three green comments <laughs> we could talk about that okay I, okay i would willingly admit that i was wrong i, just, I will i will throw the gloves off here my friend <laughs> All right, that's a great place to wrap up our episode before Ethan and I end up in fisticuffs. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you are heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome, both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at us at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks everybody. See you later.